Hey, what's going on, everybody? Out there in quarantine. Welcome to the Sketch Labs. This is the first episode of uh, the podcast in the Sketch Labs. Uh, my name is Kevin. Kevin Rusty. I've been a visual effects graphics artist, uh, web designer, digital artist my entire career. Like it's been 12 years running. I've been working for myself the entire time as a freelancer, independent contractor, you know, however you want to classify it. And uh, yeah, I figured I was going to start this podcast and just talk about the stuff that I've been working on, the stuff that I'm looking into, the new technology I'm learning about, the media I'm consuming, you know, just trying to give a little, you know, behind the scenes into what kind of work uh, creative digital artists are doing right now. Um, I think it'll be real interesting, you know, I'm always trying to stay on top of my game, so I'm always trying new things and always trying new technology. I recently got into deep fakes. I recently started, uh, you know, just experimenting with the technology that's out there right now uh, to create deep fakes. For anybody who doesn't know what a deep fake is, is uh, when you take uh, somebody's face and you put it on somebody else's body or you make, you know, somebody look like they're saying things that they've never said. You know, it's like the next level of, you know, the visual lie, you know, like the next level of visual effects that we're doing right now. And, you know, the technology is pretty crazy. Like you can just you can just go download it on GitHub and it's a uh, it, it's machine based machine learning based so it's like AI uh, it's a neural network that you give it a piece of footage to study and then you give it uh, facial references so let's say you know one of the ones that I first did is I took a clip from Terminator uh, Terminator 2 Arnold Schwarzenegger walking into the room when he first you know comes out of the time travel bubble and he like pops out and he's you know like he goes in he's all naked and he goes into the biker bar you know I love Terminator 2 if anybody's seen it you know, I'm sure you guys have. But uh, so he's in the bar. He walks through the room. Uh, so I took that shot. And then uh, I took a bunch of uh, shots from The Rock from uh, Fast and the Furious 7, I think it was. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. But I just took a bunch of video reference of The Rock. And uh, so I fed the machine learning algorithm the footage of Terminator of Arnold. And then I fed it the facial references that I pulled from that movie of The Rock. And then I switched them out. So I ended up putting the face. Uh, I put ended up putting the rock on, on Arnold's body, and it looks pretty good. I mean, uh, it, was, it was my first time through, and, and it looks pretty awesome. I mean, the, the the fact that this technology is just easy to grab onto, and like that you can just kind of grab it and start playing around is is wild, is wild to me. I mean, I've I've been seeing it develop over, over the last couple of years. Uh, I go to SIGGRAPH every year. If anybody hasn't heard of SIGGRAPH, it's like the biggest computer conference, big computer graphics conference in the world. It's fantastic. It's supposed to be in Washington, D.C. this year. I'm not sure with what's going on with the pandemic and everything, if it's still going to happen. Uh, you know, we can always hope that it's delayed and not canceled or something, but we'll see what happens. But I have been going to SIGGRAPH since like 2006, and uh, that's where all the all the great technology comes out. Like all the anything to do with computer graphics, any visual effect that you just saw, any... You know, Pixar was like first presented their first animation at SIGGRAPH. Like it's it is where the big game is played in computer graphics, and I've been going for a long time, so I've seen the the technology develop from like a theory on a paper that somebody wrote to like an application to now this like toolkit that anybody can download and play with. Um, so it, it, it's kind of amazing just to see. You know, just to see that path that technology takes sometimes. You know, like you, you watch it develop and like you know it's gonna be a big thing, so you watch it, somebody presents a paper and you're like you're like, Wow, that's that's an interesting concept. Like when that when that trickles down to everybody else, that's gonna be really really interesting. I'm gonna I'm interested to see what happens. And then the tools come out 
And, you know, you've seen, you've probably seen the videos online already, a bunch of examples, like there's a real popular one of Bill Hader doing uh, impressions of Al Pacino and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And as he's doing the impression, the, the face changes. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can find the link and put it, put it in the description. I don't remember who made it. There's also a bunch of like TV intros that were made uh, where somebody put like Mike Tyson's face on everybody from Family Matters and that's hilarious to me. But the big one that uh, a lot of people probably saw was the fake Obama video. They believe, I, th- I think it was uh, Jordan Peele got, uh, delivered a speech and then they used uh, the, the deep fake technology to put Obama's face onto him. So he's already doing an impression, you know, of of Obama. So he's already got like the mannerisms down and everything and it created this fake speech, you know, that Obama never did. And that just, you know, everybody just kind of lost their minds because they're like, oh, we can't trust anything. It's like V for Vendetta. It's this dystopian future where we can't, we can't even trust the videos we see and everything like that. And it's just, it's just really interesting the way to see how art and technology kind of just like shock culture sometimes and to see how people... You know, anybody who's scared of that, there's already plenty of technology developed and out there that scans for deepfakes, that can notice them, that can, you know, identify them. So it's, you know, there's checks and balances, but uh, it's just interesting to see what people, uh, where people go, like what people think when technology comes out. Because when I saw it, I was just, I was just amazed at what we can do. I'm like, oh my God, like this is the kind of stuff I used to dream about, you know, in high school. Uh, And now, and then it's just something you can use. Other people saw the technology and became like immediately frightened. Immediately started thinking about the terrible ramifications that this technology, like what evil stuff this could be used for, and you know things of that nature. And I just thought, it, you know, it's just interesting how uh, you know how different people can just really approach the same thing from completely different angles and just have like completely opposite natural visceral reactions so not something that you like thought about and like went home and digested but just saw this and boom that's where your brain went to and it's just really interesting to me so that uh type of rambling kind of thing is what this podcast is really going to be all about it's going to be me presenting you know the kind of work i've been working on what kind of technology i'm learning what i've been thinking about art what i've been thinking about technology so i'll be developing the format you know kind of as i go i figured it was just better to start you know i've been planning on doing this I've been planning on doing this podcast for, you know, over a year now. You know, I make plans for it and I build. And now, you know, I'm locked in my apartment. Uh, You know, I have nothing but time to work. And what I should be doing is is focusing on, you know, creating content. So a couple of jobs fell through that I was working on when this uh, whole pandemic hit. I uh, had jobs that were tied to the NBA and jobs that were tied to Cannes Film Festival. Obviously, both of those things were canceled uh, with what's going on now. So those jobs disappeared. You know, that's part of the game when you work for yourself. It's part of the game when you run your own studio. So, you know, we roll on. And one of the things that I'm going to be working on while in quarantine is I'm going to try to market myself. I, I believe everybody should be, if you're an artist right now, you should be marketing yourself and you should be creating as much content as you humanly possibly can. Everybody is at home. We're talking on a global level. Everybody is at home just looking at their screens everybody is scrolling through their feeds getting inundated with freaking coronavirus this and coronavirus that and coronavirus memes and coronavirus news and coronavirus videos and you know what i mean and it's it, it's overwhelming to a lot of people and i mean we're artists if i don't care if you're an illustrator if you're an, uh, a, a, a writer if you're a, a, a dancer a musician it really doesn't matter like the word art is so broad and the truth is is that if you're an artist if you consider yourself an artist and you've been waiting for a chance to make a difference, this is the chance right now. Like your chance is going on right now. You should be creating content, whether it be entertainment or educational or you know whatever, you should be putting it out there, both for yourself and for everybody else. 
you know, help yourself out. Right now, you can get a great amount of exposure out there. There's a great chance people are consuming all the content. You know, studios aren't going to be able to shoot more films. Like, every film is going to be pushed back. Every, you know, TV show is being pushed back. Anything that's shot is, uh, you know, on hiatus or doing some kind of, you know, quick, easy solution. You know, like John Oliver, I just saw his show uh, right before coming on to record this. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're putting out a show, uh, which is great. Uh, on a more simple basis but everything is being pulled back which what that opens up is everybody's all the small people man it's time for you guys to get your stuff out there people have 15 minutes to watch your short film people have 10 minutes to listen or read your your short story or your pitch for a movie or whatever it is that you've been working on you know if you are home and you have nothing to do except for you know play call of duty and smoke weed or do whatever the hell you do to burn time you should be creating content you should be creating content and distributing distributing it as as quickly as possible it's a it's a golden opportunity right now for both you to get your stuff out there get people to actually consume your stuff people also have time like people will comment i'm, I'm seeing a great response on most of the work i'm doing way more interaction with people just because people are home people are home people have time so you know put your stuff out there and and don't think of it as a selfish business move like the truth is People need some stuff, you know. People need some art right now to entertain them, to, you know, distract them, to help them process, to motivate them. You know, whatever your deal is, go out there and you should be you should be creating content for people right now because you know, people need it. You know, this coronavirus thing has uh, really got a lot of people down and the cabin fever. Uh, I live in New York City. Uh, you know, everybody is cooped up in kind of tiny apartments. You know, nobody has a lot of space. And uh, apparently we're in the middle of the serious time right now. We're about to hit whatever they call that peak of the of the graph. So right now is not a good time to go out. It's not a good time to do anything. So you got a lot of people hunkered down. And a lot of people hunkered down in small areas. Like you don't have space. You can't, can't go anywhere. Help them out. Put your content out. People would love to see your stuff right now. So that's, you know, I'm kind of... I've been preaching that a lot to, you know, everybody that I know and, you know, I'm kind of taking that on. I'm making a lot more stuff right now. I'm putting out a lot more stuff, taking on a lot more new challenges, trying to come out of this, you know, just stronger. You try to come out of this stronger, like working for yourself. If you guys want to be freelancers, if you guys are, you know, run your own business, you know, it is, you know, good times and bad times, you know, feast and famine. Sometimes, you know, there's so much work, you don't even know what the hell to do with yourself. You, 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 you form some of it out. You have to turn away clients because stuff is, stuff is great and, you know, everything's going great. And then there's, you know, <laughs> coronavirus times where everything suddenly disappears, everything's flipped on its head and you have to be able to weather that storm. So, you know, it's, I, I, we're going to be fine. And uh, I think uh, it's our responsibility right now to just make the, make the world a little bit better. So, you know, put your content out there, show people some stuff, and, uh, you know, welcome to In The Sketch Labs. This is like an intro, but it's already taken like 12 minutes just for me to get around to telling you guys anything about myself. But, uh, yeah, my name's Kevin. Uh, my name's Kevin Resty. I'm from born Newark, New Jersey. I live in Brooklyn, New York right now. I am the owner and head creative at uh, Sketch Studios. We're a small company in Brooklyn. Uh, mostly it's just me and friends that I hire to do work I have a designer friend I have you know CG friends I and you know I <clears throat> get the jobs and hire out as much as I can but mostly it's an excuse for me to work for myself and never have to have a boss which has always been my dream since uh <laughs> shit since I was a little kid I never had the temperament to have people tell me what to do I've always kind of wanted to 
do things my own way and I kind of roll to my own drum. I'm kind of an interesting character, if I say for so myself, I guess. But I've been um, working in New York City for the last like 12 years as a freelancer or subcontractor, however you want to call it. Um, I've worked, I've been doing a lap around the industry. I have tried to work in so many things and it's been a great experience. I got my start working in video games. I've done web design, UX design. I've done 3D character animation. I got to run a mocap set for a while. I've worked with uh, ad agencies on brands like Budweiser and Gillette. Uh, Applebee's more recently. I've done a lot of commercials for them in the last couple of years. Um, I've gotten to do social media content. I've gotten to work on VR content, 360 video. I've, I've really just had a great, very fun career for myself. I've, I've kind of floated around and taken on the challenges that I find they're interesting and just kind of rolled with the punches. And I, I, I very much love my career so far. Uh, I love where I'm at right now working uh, right now most of my most of my clients are corporate advertising I guess is what you would call it I've been working on a lot of brands like uh, BP Applebee's uh, just did something for Harley Davidson um, working with uh, not directly for those brands but working with ad agencies that uh, are contracted by those brands to to manage and uh, that's where my last two my last like year and a half has been it's been my dip into uh, the advertising world uh, which is which has been a lot of fun actually. It's been real real educational. Just seeing how the business it's the most corporate it's the most corporate creative environment I've ever worked in, which is very interesting. You know, because I've I've done a lot of work at banks as well, and I've done a lot of works at pharma, but those are just corporate with a creative department. Um, advertising is a creative field. But it's like some of these agencies are extremely corporately structured and it's very interesting to see what that does, you know, how the process works, how you, you know, how you develop an idea, how you handle creative, how you handle critique and everything. It's just a very interesting, you know, setup that I've, I, again, am new to of two years. But yeah, on, uh, during this quarantine, like I said, I've been working on a lot of deep fake stuff. I've, I've decided that I really wanted to figure that out. Uh, just really wanted to crack that crack that pipeline and figure out what you know if I could do it myself how hard it would be and if 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 it could be something I can offer my clients which would be awesome because I know that's going to be a future thing and I love working with just uh you know creative content people like people that have weird ideas I love figuring out how to do them so I would love to be able to add that to the arsenal of of tools that I have you know because you know you can never have too many skills you can never have too many tools in your back pocket you know, to solve a problem. Because that's really what I do. I'm a digital art post-production problem solver. You know, uh, people have creative ideas. I figure out how to execute them. Whether it be in 2D, 3D, you know, live action, mix of anything. You know, what? how do we solve the problem? Like, how do we communicate what the creatives are trying to get off the ground? Uh, that's what I do. So the more tools I understand, you know, the, the better equipped I am to handle any problem. Even if I don't have a complete 100% grasp on the tool where I'm like I'm an expert technician at it as far as execution, I can still, you know, walk into any meeting and be like, well, you know what we should use for this? We should use this other tool that I've just been working with or we should use this other tool that I'm familiar with and, you know, we can figure it out. Like we can get it up and running soon because, you know, you have a basic understanding of how things work and once you understand the technology, it's just a matter of catering it to what you need, to, what you need it to do. So I like to stay on top of as much technology as possible. 
the other thing that I've been playing a lot with is I just got myself. It's actually I just got a bunch of new tools, and I'm so excited. It's so dorky, but uh, yeah, for this quarantine, it's actually a perfect. Not that it's perfect timing, but it, it, I have a lot. All this free time is definitely going to good work, uh, good use because uh, I I have all that deep fake tech that I've been playing with, and I just got myself a copy of both X Particles for Cinema 4D and Redshift, a renderer for Cinema 4D, and the two of those things together. Oh, and RealFlow for Cinema 4D. I spent. Uh, you know, I spent some money and I went out and I bought a couple of particle simulation packages that I thought would be fun to play with. And uh, dude, oh my god, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, Real flow is incredible at doing any kind of sim of water. You want the water animation, you want the liquid gold, you want to fill, you know, text with water and blow it up and you know stuff like that. Oh my god, it's so it's so nice. It's fantastic. And uh, X particles also is just really interesting. Like the power behind it, uh, as far as doing procedural art, as far as being able to get so much out of a couple commands that you can put in a couple of, you know, effectors that you throw in a couple, you know, a couple of different, you know, settings that you tweak and you just get so much out of that program. And then Redshift, I might be moving a little fast. Um, <laughs> Redshift is a renderer. For those of you who don't know, it's like a, it's a, it's a graphics card renderer, a GPU renderer. And it's, it's one of many, like there's a bunch of options out there, Redshift, Octane, you know, I think V-Ray now uh, has a GPU version, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, again, I'm not, uh, I got, I'm not saying any is, one of them is better than the other, because I don't know, I haven't really worked with Octane, though I've seen a lot of great results out of that tech. It's definitely done some great stuff, but the one I do have is, is Redshift, and Redshift is pretty dope. Like, oh my God, like Redshift renders so well and so pretty, so beautiful so quickly and like right out of the box it's absolutely amazing so i got all that and the other thing that uh the reason for all of that technology i guess the real start is i just invested in a new workstation um i actually kind of went a little bit all out because i was gonna start getting into these more heavier tools um so i went out and i talked to my boy ian who uh has built every computer i've worked on every workstation i've had since I was a sophomore in college, so big ups to Ian, uh, who's built, who's given me a technology edge over so many people for so many years. I really couldn't have done any of this stuff without him. But so I called my man Ian, and he tells me about these Threadripper chips that are coming out. This was, I mean, I guess we're talking like October, October of last year, a lifetime ago, you know, <laughs> if you think about it. But uh, so I call Ian. He tells me about this Threadripper chip. He's like, dude, this thing is a game changer. Like this thing will blow the doors off of anything you're trying to do. Uh, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm, I'm more of a software guy, I'm more of an execution guy, I'm more of a pipeline guy. When it comes to the actual, like, you know, the numbers in the tech, it's not really my thing. Like, the actual stats, like all the, like, you know, bus speeds and bullshit like that, I don't really, don't really understand it. So I trust Ian in what he says. And uh, he shows me all these benchmarks of this thing just blowing out, you know, Intel i9s and just crushing every benchmark that I've ever seen and he convinces me to spend the money and I'm like alright we're doing it and um, so he takes that he gets me a Threadripper 3970X this thing is a monster 32 core processor chip like it is it is a beast um, so we order this thing and then I actually was able to get a great hookup from a connection I had from SIGGRAPH over at RTX Graphics over in LA and they were able to get me a NVIDIA RTX 8000 
Uh, so I threw that in, and then we got some quad channel RAM, 128 gigs of it, and Ian built me a monstrosity. He built me a computer that, uh, you know, if you had showed me this when I was in high school, oh my God, I would have I would have melted right there. You know, like it, it's, it's like the dream of geeks. It's a supercomputer, man. Like this thing is a beast. So the first thing I did when I got this thing home is I had to get some software to you know test this thing out. We ran we ran every benchmark we could on it, and this thing ate it. Ate every benchmark, scored great on the Cinem benchmark, the V-Ray benchmark, the Octane benchmark. This thing like murdered processing. It was it was beautiful, beautiful. So that's all I've been doing lately. Is it started that way, and I've just been throwing stuff at it. So I was like, okay, well let's do some, you know, cinema. Let's do some heavy 3D with this and see what we can do. Well, if we wanted to do heavy 3D, we got to get some particles. You know, we got to do, you know, high count particle sim, you know, colliders, get everything, you know, calculating all the different collisions and different lighting. And, you know, we throw in redshift in there and we have, you know, all the light and all the reflections. And, you know, we just crank everything up to 11 and see what the hell we get. And, you know, that's just basically what I've been doing is I've been throwing X particles at this thing and red and real flow at this thing. Particle sim, water sim, fire sim. Um, you can check out all this stuff on uh, on our social media at in the sketch studios on you know across the board you know the, the content you know varies depending on the platform but you know go check it out you can find us on instagram tiktok twitter facebook you can find us everywhere uh but uh yeah just been throwing stuff at it and you know that's again also where the deep fakes thing came because you know we're talking about heavy processing you know anything that's really gonna you know put this thing to the test and machine learning just seemed like a perfect opportunity to try to get some, uh, try to get something out of this machine. So you know the deep fake tests was has been fantastic. Being able to create a data set really quickly and you know just tossing it all on the computer and seeing what results I get. You know, granted my results haven't been 100. percent I've only been doing it for a week. I've been getting a lot of really weird results. You know, maybe I'll start posting some of those. And uh, and I, you know, if anybody hears this and has been playing with it, I'd love to exchange notes and talk about you know how, you know how we can get some better results or any creative things that you know you're working on you know i'd love to love to hear about that but uh so working with it i have learned so much and the fact that i can get these quick uh returns on it where it doesn't take my computer very long to process everything lets me do quick iterations so i just kind of like fly through experiments i'm like oh well let me just throw you know, all this data at it and see what it does with this. Or let me throw all this shader, this shader at it or this lighting setup at it or this deep fakes data set or the, that deep fakes data set. It lets me play around with a lot of different things real quickly and get the results back because I'm also very impatient about stuff like that. Just kind of rock out and see what I get. You know, try stuff, see what I get, and you learn from it. The other thing that I've been playing a lot with is uh, bringing mocap into Cinema 4D. I've been. Uh, I realized that uh, part, as part of my Adobe subscription, I also get access to this library called Mixamo, which is this huge library of uh, and of uh, mocap data, uh, dancing, running, you know, activity, you know, all kinds of stuff. And they have a couple of stock models you can use and things like that. But they give you. Uh, there's a lot. There's a pretty robust collection. There's a lot of samples of different types of uh, animation that you could use that you can bring directly into your 3d package you know whatever you're using and then start playing around with it you know uh i created a lot of dancing particle creatures i created a lot of uh you know sprites that build and did dissolve you know breaking people out into sand and things like that you can get a lot of really good mocap data that you can just start experimenting with right out of the box as part of your you know standard adobe subscription which is nice
I got a lot of experience with uh, mocap. It was actually one of the one of my first jobs out of the industry. I got a job at Curious Pictures working on Rock Band. If anybody remembers that game with a little plastic guitar, uh, yeah, I got to work on Rock Band uh, two and three. Yeah, I think it's two and three. I, I worked on a bunch of them. I worked on two, three, Green Day, Beatles. I also worked on the spinoff Dance Central, which was uh, you know a different game by the same people. But uh, if anybody remembers uh, that game, uh, I've worked on a ton of shots for it. I did. I think I did like I did three hundred and seventy-five animation shots for Rock Band Three. I still remember, and I did fourteen full minutes of music for Rock Band Green Day. I first got to uh, go to Curious Pictures uh, because of a class I took in graduate school. I went to Parsons in New York City uh, for graduate school to get my MFA. And while I was there, I took a CG mocap class that was taught by this guy, Corey, and this girl, Michelle. Hey, guys. Uh, fantastic people. So I'm, we met them, and we did. they brought us like mocap data that we got to learn in the system. We got to learn how you, you know, this was back when, this is back before ILM's pretty mocap stuff. Like everything was done with like black suits and like big ping pong balls that you would track with uh, infrared cameras. And we learned how to set up the cameras. We got to go to their actual studio and it was uh, mind-blowing to me it was incredible to me to be in a studio where people shot you know motion capture like the amount of technology I think it was like a million something dollar system you know like we got to wear I got to wear the black the black suit with all the dots which was awesome like for my class uh, final like I actually acted out a bunch of the stuff for a bunch of my classmates uh, which was a, a great time and I actually got uh, got to we got to work on set as interns so uh, afterwards i got brought in to help out on rock band 2 shooting mocap for it so basically i got to work on set as uh muscle i was you know just like some guy that was there to move heavy stuff and make things move uh you know move props in and out you know make sure the actors had you know whatever they needed to stand on or move or push or jump off of or whatever and that's what i did but it was awesome to me like i was just mesmerized by the whole process you know, it was, you know, it was, you know, the first time I ever even experienced a production that big of any kind. You know, I was, I'm from Newark, New Jersey. I'm not from a rich background. I, you know, just dreamed of doing stuff like that. So being there on set, I didn't care if I was moving apple boxes or, or fucking shoveling snow. Like, I would have done whatever to be on set. And I did. So I helped out a bunch. I remember we had to build, the, we put together like a fake bucking bra, like a fake... Uh, you know, one of those fake bulls that you ride, like they have them at, in like bar, like bars down south, I guess, like in Texas or whatever in the movies. They have like those mechanical bulls that you ride. Like we had to make a fake one of those, and I remember we had to like manually shovel, like push this thing up while the actor was on it to shoot mocap. And it was like a, it was a great, great time. So after doing that, I got invited back to be an actual intern. For a while at Curious, I was there for like a couple weeks or something. But again, I would do anything to be back on that mocap set. And uh, so they brought me in to work on this love project they were working on, which basically meant I got to spend a lot of time on the mocap set. I learned how to calibrate the system. I learned how to clean up cameras. I learned how to, how to you know, set up the markers on people. I got to wear the suit. I got to do facial mocap, so I got to learn how to set up a facial tracking system and how to you know, put all the dots on people's faces and, you know, how to actually track and get good data, how to clean the data, process it, and get it into a 3D package. Like, I got a really good, like, foundation in this. And this was, you know, 
I mean, we're talking like 11 years ago, like 12 years ago. So this was back when the, the art form was still kind of growing. Like, it was still new. Like, this was, you know, like, this is not, you know, Avengers ILM. You know, like, they've perfected they've perfected the process since then. But this was, you know, very much at the forefront at the time, which was amazing to me. You know, just to be able to play with technology this complex and as much at the forefront. You know, just... You know, being able to go home and be like, oh, you know those games that all your friends are playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I know how that shit works. I know how that shit is built. I'm actually working on one of those, you know, right now, which is like, oh, man, such a mind-blowing feeling. Honestly, like your first time when you're like, wow, I think I'm in the industry, <laughs> you know? But uh, so after doing that it's quick internship, they brought me in uh, as an employee to just clean data, just clean mocap data uh, this so the way it would work is you would shoot the data in on the vo in the volume with the cameras and you would get just dots floating around and then you would have to use a program to clean up that information basically go through frame by frame and tell the computer which dot it is in each frame so that it could you know track the dots through through the entire period of time so af after that you would uh, you know build a skeleton and then you would apply that to a dummy and then when you have the dummy, that would come to us. And we would take that dummy and apply it to whatever the character was for the video game. So, you know, you got a bunch of different characters. You have to apply the, the animation slightly different because the chest is bigger or the arms are bigger or longer. So everything's got to be, you know, adjusted. Because, like, let's say you have mocap of somebody touching their chest, right? If I'm a big dude, I got a big chest. If I keep that data on, you know, the same animation, it'll, like, go through my chest. You know, or there'll be penetration in other places or the angles will be weird. So basically, you know, you have to clean up the data that's there. And then after you have all that animation in the character, you push it a little bit further. So, you know, reality is boring. You know, you don't want somebody to rock out the way they would rock out in real life. You take what they did and then you push it further. You, you take it more extreme. And that's what, that's what I was hired to do for like the first year and a half of my, uh, of my career. I was a freelancer at a company doing, you know, mocap animation for video games. It was uh, it was a great it was a great time. So, being able to access this this mocap library in Mixamo is awesome. Like just knowing how much work it used to take to get anything shot in mocap. You know, now you just have like I mean, as part of your Photoshop subscription, you can just go get access to, you know, break dancers or a fight a fight scene that you can put together, you know, whether for previs or for a final, you can just grab it put it together, get your idea out there, you know, push whatever concept you're trying to push. Like you, this tool is out there and it's kind of, kind of impressive. I mean, uh, it blows my mind that I can just go and grab a library of mocap data. Again, you, I was there when it was like, ori like originally you had to hand retarget everything frame by frame. Uh, oh man, it was such a complicated process. And now, you know, now it's just like, whatever. <laughs> now, now you can do it. It's just it's trickled down to like the user, and now I'm I love love to see what people do with technology this powerful. It just amazes me. It amazes me how powerful the tools keep getting. We just keep getting better tools, and it just keep kind of it just kind of democratizes the the art world. I feel like you don't have to be this giant company or this giant studio or have a ton of money to have access to this kind of stuff. Like you can just go online with your computer and do it. You know, like, you can just go put together whatever pieces you want and get your idea out there. You can, you can, you can put your 
contribution out there. You can create the world that you want to create and get people on board, you know, put together an animatic, put together, you know, a spot, a commercial, whatever the hell you need with these tools that are out there. And it's just amazing to me that with, a, you know, one guy in a room with a computer is now as powerful as like entire studios, you know, used to be. And it's just, it's amazing to me. So yeah, that's going to be the kind of stuff I'm going to be talking about. I know this is the first episode, I probably rambled a little bit, you know, it's kind of all over the place. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be, uh, you know, bringing the technology that I'm working on. I'll specify, I'll, I'll try to get more specific about what these actual episodes are going to be about so that, you know, you're not just hearing me ramble from topic to topic like today. But I really wanted to get this first one out just so that, you know, I got my feet wet and just kind of like, well, boom, the first one's done. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I can now just like, oh, well, now it's the second one, third one, fourth one, and, you know, just kind of push push through it. So, uh, yeah, follow me on all social media at In The Sketch Labs. Uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. Uh, check out the website, www.thesketchstudios.com. See you guys later.